0: If you just don't talk, this strange silence comes up. This is really terrible for someone who lost someone. If you lost someone and you go back to work, the most thing is also here, communication, be clear on your feelings and talk about this. The problem is people don't wanna talk about that. This is about the companies and about maybe a change about mindfulness in the companies. To make this topic a topic and to not just being silenced about that. It's sometimes a card you get and that's it. So now do your work. The thing is, if you're overwhelmed from your feelings and if you feel this is too much, stay at home. The company cannot be your therapy. This is very important and overworking cannot be your therapy. This is not how you heal from grief.
1: Welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, the show where we help you level up in your career and get financial independence. This is episode 181. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside the greatest interview coach alive, Sergio Patterson. Wow, you really know how to
2: bring me up on a Friday,
1: Lee. Um, I can cut you down. In a matter of minutes, but I'm bringing you up right you now. You normally buddy. do. You normally bring me down, but today you're bringing me up. I, I will. Can. It's a Friday, so I got to bring you up. For today's episode, we have a wonderful discussion. It's going to be all about how you deal with grief in the workplace. In this discussion, we're also going to talk about things like mindfulness, how to become more resilient, how to heal from devastating loss, how to help others that are going through this. And Serge, this topic is something that really is hit in my heart over the last few months, you being a manager at a lot of high level companies, what do you see people go through at work when they go through loss, grief? How do you see it impacting them? Yeah,
2: it's really tough. You mentioned what you're going through. You lost two people very close to you this year, right? So that's mm-hmm. really difficult. I think what I see is if you're a good leader, you have empathy, right? You actually care. It's not just let's move on to the next thing or let's, you know, when you're going to come back to work. But if someone actually experiences loss, they need time to recover from that. The best leaders I've had are people who can actually like relate to that. All of us are human, right? It's sometimes hard to leave that at home when you have that sort of loss. You can't just hide that and put that away because it's going to come out in other ways. I guess what I'm seeing is like, I see more and more leaders who do have that empathy, which is great. And we need
1: more of those people around. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, it's tough. Sometimes you go in the office and it's, ah, leave that at home. Honestly, it's not possible. I think being empathetic, being able to feel for your coworkers, the whole mantra, oh, it's just business. It's not. And you got to look at people differently when they go through these things. If you truly care as an organization, as a leader, today's expert guest is certified professional coach, Karina Helmich, and she is one of the leading experts in resiliency and overcoming loss. She helps people find their true passion in what she does. She's become a top voice on LinkedIn on stress management. She's an accomplished author who's illustrated two children's books, authored a coaching book for young women. And she's got one of the most interesting backstory surges. She has been to 109 countries. She lived in Shanghai for seven years. And through her journey, this is all about resilience, she lost both her parents to cancer in a relatively short period of time. And we couldn't ask for a better guest to come on. So without further ado, Karina, how are you doing today?
0: Hi there. Thank you so much for this nice intro. I'm really flattered. (laughs) Thank you for having me on this show. And especially with this really not glitterful Topic. It
1: means so much for you to come on our podcast. I saw all the depth of knowledge that you have in this space. And I'm like, wow, you can't get a better resource and expert in this area. I just want to know a little bit more about your background. I know I gave a little bit for the listeners, but how about in your own words? Why don't you say what you've been through and what you do?
0: I'm a life coach and a certified life coach. I studied at IPEC and I always say my best coaching teachers was my life. I'm forty six now and yes, I went through a lot. I had a roller coaster of life and that gave me a lot of good informations to share with clients too, because I also work as a mentor in several topics. I think my life was my best school. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a mom from eight-year-old girl. I'm a stepmother of a 13-year-old wonderful girl. I'm married and I moved back to Germany two years ago. It is exactly today, two years ago that I was oh, wow. sitting crying in the airplane after leaving Shanghai and went through COVID. And I now work several years as a life coach and mentor. Yes, that's what I do.
2: I think the best coaches are people who have been through these things. And I don't want to take you back to that moment, but can you talk to us about when it clicked for you that this was going to be your journey or your path?
0: Honestly, I coached my whole life. I coached my friends all my life without really knowing that it's coaching. And the only thing I did not know at that time that this is a profession, right? I didn't follow my gut feeling feeling. I didn't follow my intuition. I always wanted to work with people, but somehow I got the offer for travel agency. So I had several travel agencies with my mom together and then she retired and I took them over. But there was always something. I wanted more. Then it happened that I met my husband and we moved away. The first time in my life I had time. It was a pure luxury thing. I managed five travel agencies and 19 people working for me. 19 employees, that was the first time I faced the mirror and I had not really a clue what to do with my time because I was used to stress. I was used to have something on my list to do every day. And then I was sitting in Shanghai in a beautiful house, very alone, very lonesome. (laughs) I had no friends there. And then I started to dig a little little bit deeper who I am and what I want to do in my life. I did a lot of things. I studied photography. I had a design company and it all went well, but it was always not that click. It was always like this. I cannot do this my whole life. (laughs) It worked. And then it was not interesting anymore. Then a friend of mine. She told me about a coaching school. It was about IPIC. And I had this discovery call with them and it clicked immediately. And I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. And at the same time, it's always in life like that. You open one door and then it pops up. And if it's meant to be, things come into your life. I met a guy who did NLP in Sydney. So I went to do my NLP practitioner in Sydney. And Singapore I did the IPEC certified coach and the Eli master. And then all of a sudden I discovered Reiki. It's energy work. It's something different. And I did my Reiki master. It took me four years to do that. I knew that is my path. I want to help people. I started to have clients. I got paying clients and then it was, okay, this is my job. This is what I want to do. This is my passion, my job. This is luxury that I now found my passion and that I now found my calling. I still remember my first client, I was super, super nervous. The first time seeing someone breaking out of a nutshell, yes, about themselves and see what they want to do. That was amazing. I cannot tell it. It was amazing. And I so enjoyed it. And now I do this. I'm lucky and do this nearly every day. I'm really thankful and grateful for that.
2: Did you say this was your first podcast? Did I hear that right early on?
0: Yes. Today, it's my first podcast. And I'm also a little bit nervous, I have to say.
2: The way you answer that question, you're like a veteran. You're yes. amazing.
1: That was amazing. <laughs> you have a great following on LinkedIn. You have tens of thousands of people that follow you. I'm just surprised that this is the first time because what you do and what you're an expert in is so amazing. It's an honor that we get to have you on as a, your first podcast experience. Thank you so much. One of the things that I think scares a lot of people, and it's something that maybe not many of us talk about, is the thought of potentially losing someone so close in our life, someone so dear to us that we feel like it can cripple us. You've Mm -hmm. gone through something like that. Yes. If that you've probably been at that point, can you please tell the listeners about the loss of your parents and how you handled that and what you did to get through that?
0: Yes, sure. Pleasure. My parents moved away from South Germany and they went back to their hometown, which is another in Germany. But the moving boxes, they were not empty. And we got this really horrible information that my father has cancer. From that on, it was never real to me that he could die because my dad was always there and he's my dad. He cannot go away. This just cannot happen. One and a half years later, we buried him. And my mom, she was the whole time at his side and she was taking care of him. What I feel now with a few years later, what I see now and with all my experience about it was that I, I did not realize it and I did not really take it on. I was always there for my mom. I was trying to help her because I had, in that time, I still had the travel agencies and I just went there every weekend to try to help. But you cannot help. The thing is, you cannot prepare time and take it with you. It's just the moment and when you feel like someone can die and if you see a person, my father, both of my parents were really great ones. I was very close to both of them in a different way, but my father and I, we were very close together. We also traveled a lot. We went to Africa a lot of times. When I went there and I saw this huge, strong man getting smaller, getting more vulnerable, being in pain and you cannot help him and you just have to see that. I did something which I sometimes regret, but I talked to him about how he wants to get buried. We talked about what if he dies. That moment when he still was alive, I regret it somehow because I felt like maybe he thinks i given up on him. When he died, I was so thankful for those moments that we talked about it because there is nothing more horrible that you sit there and they ask you, what does your father want? And you have no idea because so many people do not talk about death and do not talk about dying. He was very ill and the doctor said he has lungs cancer. Then he, he they told us he has liver cancer. And then the moment came and I was lucky that I was there with him. My mom was there my brother, we were sitting the whole night at the bed. I was holding his hand and what people tell you when people are dying, you should not really touch the hand, close the hand, you should just put the hand on your hand that you don't hold them back, that you show them, you can go, I don't keep you here. That's what I did. And then by the time we went out of the room, To give him the chance to leave without us around, because some people want to leave when they are alone. In respect of that, we left the room, then we came back. And then we felt he got a little bit nervous, told him it's fine. We are there. We take care of mom and everything's going to be fine. And then it was the moment he allowed me to stay with him. That was really touching. I don't know how it is in the different cultures, but what we are doing is we take care of the night. My father died. He passed away. My mom and my brother left home. I was sitting with my dad the whole night at his bed. And I was just with him and lit a little candle. I opened the door that we say that the soul can fly. That was a magic moment. And I'm more than thankful for that. Yes. So that was my father dying.
1: I can totally relate because my father recently passed. It brings me back to that. Yeah, it's a challenging time, but it's also a beautiful moment if you can allow yourself to come to that. And I think it was for me when he did pass, but the emotions that you felt after, and then you lost your mom too, very close to this time. Was it not that far apart?
0: No, my mom, she died six years later. At that time, it is like losing roots. We take them for granted our whole life. Let's not say we, but I took them for granted. Everyone is different. And I took the roots from my parents. I took them for granted. They were there all the time. So no matter if I lose my house, my whatever, if I lose my life, there would always be some place in my parents' house to sleep. I would always get some food and I always would get a hug. This is not only the roots, but it's so amazing to have a home. You can call and you can go there so you feel secure in life. Even if you're 40, 50, 60, it doesn't matter. You're always a daughter or son. When my father died, I lost that. Not all of that because I had my mom and she was a very strong person and a very good mom. I felt artificial strong for my mother. It felt like I need to be strong for her. I didn't live next to her. That was a little bit challenging, but she was really good in dealing with this how good you can be. The thing is, grief is a roller coaster, it pops up. Always when you don't expect it to pop up. And it's grief is just this natural response to loss. And you have no control over this feeling. So you cry, and the next moment you laugh hysterical about a joke with us. It was my dad, he was a very funny man. He had a super nice sense of humor. So we had a lot of laughter together after when we talked about my father, and also his funeral was not a typical one. We served beer and schnapps, a German schnapps, which (laughs) we were laughing. With the time, I learned to deal with this and I found my own way to deal with this. I'm still talking to him in my mind. I'm still asking him questions. He's still around somehow. I just believe in that and I want to believe in that. But at the beginning, it is an emptiness you feel. It's like your world stands still, but everything around you is turning. It's going on. No one has the patience for someone who is grieving. No one has really the time for grieving. They say sorry, but if you want to talk about that a few weeks after, this topic is gone already. Hey, what's going on? It's uncomfortable because people don't want to talk about grief. It triggers their own fears and many people don't speak about it. And that's the main problem I see in that. About the feeling, coming back to the feeling, it is losing a root, losing a huge tree in your life. It was always there. It's just you feel empty. And you feel sad. You feel so sad.
2: We're on almost 200 episodes. And I don't know if I've ever almost cried in an episode, but it's creeping up. (laughs) The tears. I think this is good, though. Lee just said, like he told you, he just lost his dad. I was close with his dad. And then it started making me think that I've taken my relationship with my parents for granted. To your point, Karina, like just when they call and I'm like, oh, I'm busy right now. Can't pick up. And it's like these little things where I'm like, what am I doing? I only have so many years left. That route you called out and I was like thinking about always having the home and I think that's just so important. But something my mom is dealing with right now is losing her mom to dementia. It's going to happen any day. I'm curious, how can you support somebody who is going through grief? What are some tactics or some things you can do? to support somebody who loses someone?
0: First of all, I'm sorry for your mom that she goes through this whole thing right now. Some people say you can prepare, but you cannot. Some people lose their parents, siblings, or children from an accident, so you cannot prepare. Some lose them, like me, from a long illness. So people say, oh, you're happy, you could prepare. But the thing is, you cannot prepare. Grief is, it hits you Anytime. So if you ask me what I would suggest someone who's going through this or the people around talk about it. Just talk about, bring it to the table and be natural about it. It's something we all go through one day and it so belongs to our life, to every one of us. And it can happen anytime. I remember I was sitting next to my dad and we were laughing about really unimportant stuff. But that was amazing because we had this light moment. And this is what people who go through this at the moment also need the one who is dying because they know they're going to die and the one who is grieving because... They know it's going to happen, but we need to talk about that. But we also need to have the light moments and we need to communicate in a natural way. If you just have a cut in your finger, that hurts. And that is, it doesn't matter that it is nothing compared to someone who's dying, but talk about that finger, which is hurting because those people, they really need normal stuff to talk about. So the communication I feel is a huge thing and also to bring it on the table. Because you have two different types of people. Some are processing this internally and some are outgoing. They are open with their feelings. So everything is right. There is no right or wrong. It's just how we are. It's a personal thing. Grief is a very personal thing. I would just talk about it. That's the main thing. A hug can be amazing. Tell her, I understand you. I see you. I'm there. If you need me, I'm there. If it's at night at three o'clock, I'm there. If you want to go for something totally crazy, just to bring some normal stuff in your life, I'm there. There is no need that the grieving person is crying all the time. Grief is different. You are not a good son or a good daughter if you're crying the whole time. It's just that you talk and process. This is what I would suggest the first yes.
1: So Karina, since our topic is grief and how to deal with it, but also in the workplace, right? I know that's a topic that I never really hear discussed, but a lot of people, they lose someone that's impactful in their life and that they love so much, and then they have to go back to work because they need to pay the bills. It can be a challenge because companies expect you to heal in a certain amount of time and get back to work and then you might not be ready. But yeah. What do you see as a solution if you are indeed still struggling and need to go back to work? Do you have any tips for the listeners on what they can do to make this transition easier?
0: Well, there are different types of grief at the workplace. So it could be a colleague is dying. It could be you lost someone. So it depends if you lost someone very close to you you. I can just say, take your time. Many people want work continuity, but that is something you need to talk about with HR or with your leader or whoever is your close head. This is something you need to talk about because most people I know and the most people I work from, my C-suite clients who have high positions and who lost people and had to go back to work, they try to kill this grief by overworking that can definitely lead to burnout that can lead to depression this is something we should take serious the most important thing i feel is if you go to back to work just show who you are show that you are human and this is what Sergio said at the very beginning it's a human thing if we lose someone and we go back to work We need to talk about that. We need also our colleagues to talk about this. If you just don't talk, this strange silence comes up. This is really terrible for someone who lost someone. If you lost someone and you go back to work, the most thing is also here, communication. Be clear on your feelings and talk about this. The problem is... People don't want to talk about that. This is about the companies and about maybe a change about mindfulness in the companies to make this topic a topic and to not just be in silence about that. It's sometimes a card you get and that's it. So now do your work. The thing is, if you're overwhelmed from your feelings and if you feel this is too much, stay at home. The company cannot be your therapy this is very important and overworking cannot be your therapy. This is not how you heal from grief.
2: Also the time, right? It's, I feel like there's probably a conversation that needs to be had about the amount of time people need and get. Like some people might be able to bounce back faster than others, but I don't know, I'm not speaking from experience, but you need time to heal. You might not be able to go back to work right away, right? You might need to give yourself space.
0: I have to say my father died on the 26th of August. And I will never forget that. And on the 1st of September, I was head of sales and a new position. I was there. I looked good. No one really thought that I'm a grieving person. I didn't cry. I was there. I made fun. I did my job and I was there. The thing is grief is not something like an illness where you can say you can stay. I I stayed two weeks at home and then it's fine. Grief is something, it's like a roller coaster. But not the nice ones. It's like a roller coaster. And this is what I said before. It hits you sometimes out of the blue. I mean, it's a song. It's a smell. It's a situation. It's Sometimes it just comes up. Sometimes it's just you have this feeling, oh, you cannot hide your tears anymore. Or you cannot really do anything against it. So I cannot tell you, stay two weeks at home and then everything will be fine. Because losing someone close to you sometimes need years to heal most of the people are having a shock and they go with it and they can work quite quick again but then it bounces back a few weeks later when it's all already gone for everyone else so they forgot about it your colleagues forgot about it and yeah. then it bounces back there is no timeline green grief has no timeline that's very important what I would always recommend is taking is getting professional help to realize all of that and to get over it but I say I always say you never get over. And losing your parents, your your siblings, whoever, you never get over it. But we tend to say that we get used to this, we Mm -hmm. get used to the absence of those people. This is it.
1: Karina, how can we help others? We've talked a little bit about ourselves going through it. I think one thing that is very frustrating is seeing someone you care about go through grief and not knowing what to do for them. I know I feel that a lot of time in my current situation. Can you shed a little bit of light on what we can do for others that we care about that are struggling?
0: I would always say be sensitive and be respectful. And the best thing is to call them or to talk to them and to say, I have no clue what to say. I just want to tell you, I'm there for you. So that is already enough because people see that you feel with them, that you are sensitive, that you are there, that you're open to talk and that you give them space, that you don't overrun them and say and try to be there, but just Give them a WhatsApp or an email. It does not always be a call. It depends on how close you are. But even a call is amazing. Or just to write them, I'm there. No need to respond. You don't expect anything from you. But I just want to tell you I'm there whenever the time is there. Being there for them and being respectful with all of them, This is what I feel is very important. And to offer help if they want to. And to tell them, I see you. I see you with all you're carrying right now. If you need a coffee at workspace, if you need time, if you need to have a break, just give me a sign. I'm there. No big drama. Just give me a sign. Offering help. That's very important. What I would like to add, no time pressure. And if it's three months after, Talk together, talk about it.
2: I love that. The openness is to your point. This is one of those conversations. Like we just don't talk about it enough. And I know there's people in my life that are struggling with this right now. And it's, I think, Lee's question. We have to be proactive and check in with people. Hey, like, how's it? how are you really doing?
0: We ask that several times a day to several people. We ask that when we go to the supermarket, hey, how are you doing? We not honestly always wait for the response. If you really ask them, how do you feel? Just keep looking at them and wait for the response. And if you feel they cannot talk, just say it. It's so easy to be also vulnerable and to tell them, I have no idea what to say. There are no words because no words can heal the grief for a person, but it makes it better. People feel understood and that helps a lot.
1: That's fantastic advice. it. so one thing that I've noticed that you specialize in is the concept of mindfulness. Is a kind of a new concept. Concept to me. Could you explain to the listeners what it is and how it's valuable?
0: So, mindfulness with grief, I would take it as. Practicing self care, taking care of yourself, listening to your body, listening to what you need. It's very simple. We are all talking about mindfulness. We are all talking about all of these modern words. Everyone who is in good health needs to do yoga. I feel the same, but practicing mindfulness for me means to be in the moment and to listen to your body and listen to your soul. It is something which, in grief, and also this, when you need to decide, do I go to work or not? Am I capable to go to work? Just listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to your soul, and you will get the answer. We cannot really endure ourselves in silence most of the time. It is hard for most of us To just sit in silence and just to don't think. It's like this meditation thing. Just sit there and just endure ourselves. This is very hard when you're breathing. Because this feeling comes up. And mindfulness in that situation means that you take care of that. That you take care of your. Mind and your body, that is meant with that. If you need to run, go running. If you need to sit in silence and cry, let it out, cry. If you need help, watch some Disney films and it will go. So crying is so important. And I tell you, crying comes in the most weird moments and mostly not really matching. <laughs> it's not, But it's so Healing—it's so healing to cry. This is something you digest a lot of emotions with crying. This is also a kind of mindfulness. So, taking care of yourself, taking care of your mind, of your soul, and of your body—that is the most important thing you, as someone who is grieving, can do. If you have an appointment with your friends, you don't feel like just tell them, "Hey, I'm not in the mood. It took over. I'm just out tonight." That's fine. Don't push yourself into something, you think you need to fit in. That's, I think, my most important advice. If you're talking about mindfulness, just be in the moment and feel what you need and also do what you need then. If you know that you need to stay at home alone, then do it. Don't push yourself too much.
2: Crying is a really interesting one. I think, like us growing up, Lee, I think it was like, we don't cry. It was like, we shouldn't yeah. be crying. If boys don't yeah. cry. I have two little ones and I think it's, we're trying to make sure they know it's okay to cry. I think that's kind of part of being mindful. And it is difficult though, cause there is a lot of pushback. I see, at least for my 11 year old son, in his world, it's wait, should I be crying? Or so it's, but I think over time, to your point, I think that has to come out and it's good for us.
0: I feel the same. Crying is something, it's meant to be there. We cry for a reason. It's the most, the deepest way to express our emotions. Crying is something which is the tears are included. There's so much going on in your body when you're crying. And I totally get you. I was not raised that way. I have a lot of friends who were, it was not proper to cry. Crying is something which can really, I always tell my daughter, if you cry, your soul gets cleaned. It's something where you can tell also your children and also boys, especially because my age, my generation, the boys didn't cry. It was really not man-like or boy-like. This is crap. (gasps) It can be super sexy so if a man is crying because he's touched. It shows he has he has emotions. He has he has feelings. We all have that. It's good to cry, and it really is good to depress to get out of this grief process. You need to cry, and most of the time, sometimes when we cry really hard, it ends with a laughter because your mood changes. It's this hysterical laughter at the end. It shows that it really works. It helps you to digest, and it's. Very very important if I may add that it's important for our children to know that this is good I love
1: that I love that mindset listen guys we gotta cry a little bit more this is why we die mm-hmm. sooner we're not we're keeping all the emotions bottled up enough.
0: even as I say man <laughs> for a reason who is 60 who is a billionaire, who has, I don't know how many thousands of people working for him. Also, this guy is a human guy. And also he can cry if he loses someone. So this is like a mindset we sometimes carry with us, which is totally strange. He is a father. He is a son and maybe a sibling. We all have this in us. We are allowed to cry and we need to cry. We need to get rid of those emotions. It's good.
1: That's wonderful. Great. So how can people reach out to you if they want to, if oh. they want to connect with you?
0: Just LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. My webpage, it's www.carinaage.com There is the contact on it. That's the best way to reach me at the moment.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Make sure you check out Karina. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you haven't on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify elevation radio appreciate every listener subscriber that we get and hopefully this was a really valuable combo i know i got a ton out of it search how you feeling yeah i feel great
2: i think this was amazing everyone should listen to this one
1: yeah absolutely you've been listening to the free retiree show so long for now Securities offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Member FINRA, .finra www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance. License 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson, attorney Matt McElroy, are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Airbnb, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.